This is the No Switch Fitness Podcast. We want to help guide your journey into developing your best physique. With your host, Luke Miller. All right, guys, welcome back to the No Switch Fitness Podcast. And today we have a very beloved Irish guest on the podcast in Ross Byrne from Pro Coach. Ross, how are you doing? I'm very good, my friend. Very, very good. Thank you for having me as always. Yeah, of course, man. So um, we've had a lot of a lot of episodes with Ross in the past. You guys can check those out. Typically pretty popular episodes. So um, figured we would have a quick chat because my boy is prepping right now. So um, just to kind of kick it off, why don't you let us know kind of like what's happening, what's going on? Um, yeah, for sure, man. Go from there. 100%. So I reckon for anyone who's seen, has watched the previous podcast, you'll probably notice my face is a little bit more sunken in than previously. I'm currently about 28 pounds down um, from peak body weight at the end of the off season, which I believe was the last time they recorded with Luke. Um, so currently sitting at 220, 220 pounds on waking, which is pretty decent to be perfectly honest, just still holding 220 pounds. Um, conditions coming in day by day. Weight actually held while condition flipped for the positive for the first couple of weeks was pretty cool. Again, an extended period at um, you know, kind of a modified TRT basis of androgens probably helped there as well. And as that circulated back up north, that probably helped me kind of recomposite a little bit more, which was cool. Um, so currently seven weeks away from my initial show, which is going to be my qualifier. Um, and then I am nine and a half weeks away from the British Championships. And then following that, another two to three weeks away, I'll be actually going to Castle Del Miller to compete in the amateur show at the Texas Pro, um, which is going to be an incredible, incredible experience. So I'm really, really excited for that. Then I think what I'm probably going to do, anyone who knows me or follows me on social media will probably know my partner, Grace. Um, Grace is going for her pro card this year um, in bikini. And that's really when her season is going to be heating up in that interim period between Texas and the Arnolds. So I am potentially going to take the executive decision to pull the plug in the Arnolds myself um, and then potentially continue my season following the Arnolds in the kind of Eastern European circuit in terms of Finland and Denmark um, and potentially wrap it up there just because, again, anyone who's, you know, going out with um, or has been with a competitive athlete, you know, when you're in that high level of demand, when your prep is, is really kicking up the gear and especially when the goal at hand is as big as a pro card like it is for Grace, my goal this year is not a pro card. Um yeah, it, it helps to be somewhat selfless, especially considering I have multiple athletes in the Arnold myself. Um, I believe I have six or seven athletes currently doing the Arnolds. You know, it, it doesn't really cost me too much to veer away. The experience for me is going to be largely orientated on my athletes anyway. So I'm probably going to pull away, take that kind of four to six week block of downtime and then move to that latter end of the season, finishing up in kind of late October, early November. Um, that's kind of where I'm at now. It's been it's been definitely been an experience. Um, you know, I haven't, I've been off stage now for four and a half years um so i took a really long time off and that was kind of based off you know my initial prep being one of those you know everyone knows those preps that i did a prep just to try you know that kind of way and about three quarters of the way through i was like nope this is the thing that i want to do this is what i want to dedicate myself to and you know kind of years down the line it's not it's not only my passion it's my job it's my life it's, it's pretty much it encompasses everything i do on a day-to-day basis but uh it's going really well um i'm really like i'm very surprised with how my routine has shifted relative to the demand that broke prep and being busy on the coaching front has kind of placed on me and the the contrast between what I was doing to what I'm doing now and is very, very interesting for sure. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting dynamic because the topic we're going to kind of cover today is like managing contest prep as a physique coach. I think this goes like in two directions. One, managing your own contest prep, right? Because this is an issue that I ran into last year was 
you know, Emily missed her <clears throat> pro card by a single placing. She wanted to extend her prep to the next pro qualifier. And that happened to be six days before the show that I was going to do. So then it, it, it kind of ran my prep as far as like, you know, do I continue? It's like, man, I'm not, my show wasn't a pro qualifier and it wasn't going to be by any stretch of the imagination. So um, it was more for, you know, getting the overall at the regional show that I was going to do. So, you know, I had to make that decision to prioritize someone else's like pro qualifier based show over my own and ended up not stepping on stage. Cause like, I'm, I'm a little bit past the experience point. In my opinion, I've, I've done seven shows. So I've competed at seven different shows and like getting to the stage is just more so about how good can I be now um, and testing that limits and possibly doing a pro qualifier the next time that I step on stage. But to kind of start and dive in like the habits perspective, I think that this is one that you've already touched on with your daily schedule. Yeah. What does that look like? Cause I don't think people realize what our day to day looks like when we are prepping yeah. fairly yeah, simple. Sure. Yeah, they're pretty, it's pretty short. It's pretty similar, man. So I've had to, so my work demands don't change because I'm on prep. Um, if anything, they're only higher. Um, I'm probably the busiest I've ever been, I'm perfectly honest with you, which is an excellent complaint. So the way my day runs currently is I'm up at half three. Um, I get up at half three, I go down, and truth be told, I go down, I do my local lyrics. I make sure that everything is in and ready to rock and roll for the early hours of the morning. Um, anything needs to go in fast, it goes in fastest. I'll get a black coffee in. I'm back up in front of my desk for about four o'clock, quarter past four. Um, I'll do about five, ten minutes of reading. I'm currently rereading The Daily Stoic, which is a book that you just read a page a day on. So allows you to kind of reflect on things. Um, I do speak. Uh, anyone who follows my Instagram or my social media knows I'm, I'm quite a reflective individual I like to be. Uh, I'll then do maybe five, ten minutes of journaling just to declutter the head a little bit. Um, and then I'll do my to-do list. And I'm kind of I'm in in front of the computer by about half four, quarter to five. Um, I do a big bout of work from about kind of, you know, half four through about half six. I then go downstairs. I'll do my cardio, which is currently 60 minutes, um, so two half an hour sessions. I'll then do another kind of 15, 20 minutes of posing, then following that back in. I'll do some direct ab work, which I'm doing kind of four or five times a week at the moment if I have the capacity to do it. Get up, another coffee, back up. I'm sitting in front of the desk again by kind of half seven, eight o'clock. And then I'm knocking out work until my first meal at about half ten. Um, back up here for 11 to 2 o'clock and then I go and I train um, and then following that then I'm back and depending on the level of work that I have to do I might do what I call kind of softer work in the latter end of the day um, which is work it just doesn't maybe demand as much of my kind of my capacity to speak or you know my, my brain as much of my some, some idle programming a little bit of an admin just updates that don't require me to be too communicative um, because at that point of the day especially anyone who sees me train with Oscar you know I'm, I'm definitely I'm flagging by that stage um, yeah. and then in between that I'm going to get my meals in but that's generally how my day is running so I'm going to start up about half three I'm going to bed about 9 p.m 10 p.m and I'm just repeating that process seven days a week and honestly I'm flourishing in it I really really enjoy the peace and the quiet and the kind of serenity of being awake when nobody else is um, it allows me to catch up on work that I had the day before if anything what I found is actually it's allowing me more time it's allowing me more work because any kind of delayed check-in if you want to kind of put that on which happens to us all we all have delayed check-ins at times clients it's actually allowing me to get that done in the earlier hours before these clients are awake so it's not necessarily delayed. They're actually getting their they're actually getting their returns and they're actually getting their check-ins at probably in a more valid time than they would do, you know, a more applicable time because they might get it in the evening the previous day. They're not applying until the following day in and of itself. So like it's little things like that. And I'm just learning about the restructure of my routine. Um that's definitely changing because you know, 
I had said to myself at the start of this that this will not cost any level of service to the people who I'm working with. And I promised myself that. Um, now, again, there's always going to be an inevitable pitfall. At some point in time, we can't say that you can just be 100% of yourself throughout the entirety of your prep. That just doesn't happen. Um, so what I have done is I've kind of told myself, right, at X point within the prep, I'm going to stop taking people on, um, which is something I am going to hold myself pretty accountable to. I am going to stop taking people on in about a kind of four or five week show, four or five week lead up to show number one. Um, I'm going to be parking it for, you know, anywhere between a couple of months. And then, you know, as I see fit and as people inquire, if I feel as that a person is a good fit and I have the capacity to do it, I will bring them on. But I'll be doing no direct intakes from that point onwards so that I'm kind of very much aware of what my demands are on a weekly basis. I'm not very much aware of what my demands are on a daily basis to like just allow me to get through what I need to get through with no stipulation on, okay, now I have to do more, I have to do more, I have to do more. I just know what my work demands are. I know what my daily demands are from an output perspective and I just get them done. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the biggest things is like understanding your limits and setting some hard limits on that, right? Um, my last contest prep was kind of win, no switch, dove into doing the seminar stuff um yeah. and we held a seminar on the front end of contest prep for me so i was like 18 ish weeks out which was fine yeah. it wasn't an issue travel for the seminar you know easy to take boxes but um from an event standpoint like there was nothing i was going to allow myself to do from that point moving forward just because i knew the demands of kind of coming into contest prep season especially with my wife prepping at the same time like it's just going to take too much away from the service that i can provide to the clientele which is the utmost importance when you're kind of balancing the dynamic of competing and coaching um together and i think that you know one of the things that really makes that process easy is the systems that we use and i know that you guys have a system that's pretty top notch it's not too far off of what i use and um, that system allows for the organization and the communication between yourself and clientele. Um, just kind of touch on like the expectations of a client within this scenario is obviously consistent year round, but you know, every once in a while you get that person that's not very good at it. You kind of let it slide a little bit. And then it's, you know, kind of going down this path of, you know, whatever the system was, it's not exactly getting executed well. Um, where you see that expectation kind of get upheld a little bit better when you're in that contest prep situation, just because the capacity for variation is a little bit lower. Yeah, for sure. Like you just need to be as, as regimented as you possibly can. You know, there's no, there's no room for deviation. So again, those systems that we have, the fact that I have, like, I, again, I'm not saying that there's any kind of like, uh, I don't know any kind of old school means by which people coach. Maybe if you're just using emails, you're just using WhatsApp or whatever way you are. I think the, you know, the, the room for error within that kind of almost, um, you know, almost like dotty basis of communication is just, it's just very, very high because it relies on that kind of interpersonal communication and kind of very immediate demand. Like if you're using things like sheets, systems, drives, software, I don't need to be there all the time in order to elicit my job and do what I need to do. The client has a full awareness of what they can expect when they get their update. They're given a timeline so far as when they're going to get the return on that update. They know how the format of that update is going to run. Any change on that format will be very clearly labeled to them. So because we have systems and because we have a means by which we work and by which we operate, it allows me to operate within the confines of just like doing what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. There's no like waiting for a check-in, you know, there's no like, you know, bouncing back and forth and WhatsApp conversations that are idle trying to get information from people. I just, I don't need to do that. I get the check-in information that I need. 
I use that information, I blast the response, and then if I have time to communicate back and forth that individual, so be it. But it, it, honestly, the the way by which we run things and the, the system that we employ currently has definitely been a safe and grace in terms of my ability to just be able to be as communicative and on the ball as I possibly can because it's it's just a system that we employ as it is. So it not only benefits the client by A, being professional, you know, being, um, you know, obviously systemic in of itself by nature, but it also benefits me because of its rigidity, because of its almost like foolproofness. In that kind of way, this is where they put their information in. This is the information that I provide. This is the response that they give relative to that information. And I just simply just keep doing what I'm supposed to do. You yeah. know, and it's, uh, it's been an absolute blessing. There's another thing that I've noticed. I actually wrote it in my journal the other day. And um, kind of how lucky I feel to be part of a team um, where a lot of the back end stuff, if I needed to be sorted, could be sorted by somebody else. Um, we do have delegation on our side, which is great. So, like things like inquiries and stuff like that, we have kind of like delegation that could sort that, which is great. So, there's almost like, um, a pass down strategy so that I'm only really doing the work that is needed to be done. I don't waste work, um, which is a really, really positive thing for me for sure. Yeah, because it can be draining. I know I've I've gotten really strict about the days and the times at which I take calls, as in like calls for podcasts or calls for client inquiries or whatever that may be. Um, because there's nothing worse than like going into a day where you have a lot on your schedule as far as like client updates and stuff like that. And you've got five calls in a row, right? Or four calls in a row because you just mismanage your schedule timing, right? Um, And we all do it. It all happens, but it's one of the most important parts about prep. And this is kind of where I want to hear a little bit about how much you're delegating to Callum and how much you're managing yourself in regards to managing your own prep timeline, because the variables that are at play are going to be like, obviously, PEDs, nutritional, cardiovascular training, um, even like stress demands and like, what do we see that like translating into the contest prep and just where that role of having, having Callum preppy right now is, is kind of taking place. Cause I know for me, like a lot of the delegation goes on to John when I'm prepping. Um, and I, I do manage my own training, but there is a point where I just like hand it over to John. I'm like, here you go. This is it. Like do what you need. Like I'm just going to plug away. Um, what does that look like right now between you and Callum? Yeah. So honestly, for the most part, a hundred percent of control is given to Callum. Okay. Uh, if I'm not, because if I have to, if I have to think about myself, I won't. I'll I'll, I'll just end up fucking myself. I'll I'll, I'll do more cardio. <laughs> I'll do more steps. I'll probably take more drugs. <laughs> because we all we all because you you get into that athlete mindset where you get lost in your own you know your your own almost like aggressive pursuit of more. Like I find myself like. I've had this, but again, almost a separate point before I jump back into it. I've had quite a significant, even since we spoke last week, I've had this like very significant mental shift um, in terms of how I view myself as an athlete. So previously, I remember you would have, I would have spoken to you and I've said it on podcasts, I've said it on YouTube videos where I've been like, you know, I've never seen myself as the athlete. I'll always be the coach first. And, you know, it's, I think being surrounded by people like you, you know, like Callum, um, where that fork on the road to kind of, you know, focused on one of those things has kind of presented itself in terms of the demand that you have yeah. i nearly put myself in that space prior to what happened and that 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 fork in the road has not presented itself to me yet right. i can give 100 to both of those spaces and there's no reason i can't do that and it took me to pull 20 pounds off and start to look at your bodybuilder to realize i could probably be a decent bodybuilder <laughs> <laughs> So that's a really cool change that's happened in my mind where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not actually going to be asked of this. You know, that kind of way Like I actually have the potential to do what I need to do. Cal knows what my goal is for this year. Um, so kind of having that kind of shift is a really cool thing. But yeah, to go back to the point of hand, um, 
pretty much 100% of control is given to Callum. Now, within the training space, I have a little bit more play just down to the fact that I trained with Oscar. So Oscar's split was XYZ and I aligned mine to his. Now, there is some differentials there as well. So Oscar has like a fully dedicated quad day. I don't have one of those. Um, I have more of a hamstring and just general lower day. Um, and there's a couple of other things that Oscar has going on around his split that we just differentiate a little bit. But for the most part, we're in each other's faces. We are accountable to one another. And Oscar is like boots on the ground for me. Oscar has, is just the most incredible guy on earth. Anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, Oscar Young, um, Young4040 on Instagram, trained by JP Athlete. Um, Oscar has kept me in- <laughs> unbelievably accountable. I send my posts and shots to him every day. Um, you know, I'm 2 p.m. in the gym without fail every day or else he's ringing me to see where I am. You know, there's, like it's incredibly uh, a high level of accountability. And we're in, we train at 2 p.m. We're finished by five, half five, and we're both out the door. And he's keeping me on my toes massively. Uh, so within the kind of training space, I'm simply just running a split similar to Oscars with some exercise substitutions because my knees are a little bit at me. Um, from that from the day, me and you and Cal squat, there's this one been the same since. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have squatted, but it is. <laughs> but we did, and we did it. And uh, it was it was it was worth the fun. Um, everything else though is in Callum's control. It really, really is because again, I would rack my own brain because I know what would happen. I would give myself the same level of attention that I give my athletes. Yeah, and that would kill me because I'd be like the, the mental shift that would be when I realized, oh, this is actually me. Um, you know, it would be a totally different ball game. I think. I think I would find myself paralyzed by analysis. I think I would one hundred percent be unable to make a decision relative to food, relative to output, relative to drugs, relative to pretty much everything. So having Callum there to just call the shots has not only allowed me to be a little bit less stress free, but it's also a learning experience. I am my own case study right now. Yep. You know, kind of way. I mean, I'm a relatively new physique coach in this game. Again, there's no there's no two ways about that. And I'm I'm happy to tell myself and tell everyone that, you know, I'm trying to emulate the likes of what you've done, what Cal has done. So I get to be I get to be the subject, you know, now where I've spent so long, two years talking to Cal about case studies, going through things, you know, speaking about situations. What do we do here? What do we do now? Now I am that situation, you know. Uh, I'm I'm I get to be the case study. I get to look at and extrapolate decision making processes when Cal makes them. And I'm like, okay, why did he make that decision? I kind of guess, I ask the question and I turn it to be right or I turn it to be wrong. And that's definitely been a really, really valuable part of this whole process because for me this really is a learning experience, you know. A can I be the athlete? B am I able to walk the walk? Again, a shameless plug for the YouTube. And then at the same time, like kind of what is it like what is it that goes into the thought process of you know working with an athlete like myself, which is cool. Um so now it's been it's been a really cool experience having that kind of relinquishment of control into Callum's hands is definitely making the process easier. Um, I have kind of been sitting to myself though, admittedly, I have kind of had my last meal, I've kind of said to myself, I wonder if I could do my own off-season. Um, I have kind of had that conversation with myself, but perfectly honest, I don't think I will. Um, I think I benefit from having somebody else call the shots in that respect. Yeah, I think it's, um, one, important to make sure that we maintain that walk-the-walk for a long, as long of a duration as we can relative to the coaching, exactly. right? Like it's, yeah. something I, I you've heard me speak on this before like lead from the front like there's such an important aspect in that for your clientele where it carries over into how will your clientele execute right because they see you doing xyz and so they kind of hold themselves to that same standard um one of the things i was going to touch on real quick because you had brought up being your own case study this is something that i yeah. really am a big fan of running contest preps on myself with as far as like obviously we're prepping to compete but one of the biggest dynamics of prepping is I think it starts to shape and mold your coaching for your own clientele. Um, as, as someone who's prepped eight times and done seven shows, 
like it's something that each time that I I prep, there's something new that I garner from it. And like last year was a pretty defining prep for me in regards to how I manage my own clientele because it really largely shifted the way that I manage timelines and contest preps for people because of the way I had managed it for myself. I was pretty much ready at like the four week out mark. And so for me, it was like, I saw that relief that comes with being ahead of schedule to the point that, you know, in the past you had had heard like the detriments of running too long of a contest prep, losing tissue, all this other things. Right. And then you get kind of get plugged into a little bit of a longer prep and, it goes so smoothly. Obviously, we have the compounds there for tissue retention and the stress relief of being ahead, I think, aids in the look so much. It pays dividends on like what the back end is. So curious, just like, have you seen anything change within your own coaching process, kind of getting into this prep process already? Or is there anything? I, I, I'd say, I, I would say what I'm saying. I'd say I'm not into the weeds enough yet for it to really have a massive impact. I'd say I'm still I'm still waiting to get to that point where I'm like, whoa, this is a really, really challenging period of time for me now. I'm definitely, I'm on the apex of this fucking sucks. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely on that. I'm definitely on that apex. I've had a couple of days <laughs> where, you know, I've been a little bit, you know, less get up and go. It's also, again, from a drug exposure point of view, I've had to, again, just full transparency, I've had to use some exogenous estrogen control for the first time in my life, ah. where... I would have had a pretty, a pretty abhorrent view on, you know, exogenous estrogen control because of the information I was exposed to with no real context, you know, that kind of way. So it actually took me to go to that situation, like, I can't fix this by just doing more drugs. <laughs> you, know, I have, you know, I was like, you know, I thought that was the reality of the situation. I couldn't A, afford to do, I couldn't afford to do it in a sense that I, I just, there's no point of me jacking this up just in case that isn't an issue or dealing with a fake compound or whatever. And I was like looking into it a little bit deeper. I was like, okay, I have an option here. I have an ability. Text Callum, I was like, here, what do you think it is? And the two of us, I think, have kind of changed our tune a little bit in terms of our appreciations of that at times. And um, again, anyone who's seen my previous prep update, again, don't get excited. I don't do many prep updates because, again, this isn't something I want to do too many kind of um personal posts on a lot of this is kind of internal for me and i will just update people every kind of four to five weeks or whatever um you know as and when needed things that i definitively would have said no to without any real context as to why i was saying no actually have their place and i just i have to be fully transparent that a lot of the conversations that i've had with myself a lot of the ideologies that i would have previously had before i got deeper into the physique coaching space are definitely shifting um and that's a really positive thing for me it's a massively positive thing you know um i think we need to black and white thinking within the physique development space in most cases is not it's not a utah tool and that's going to come from people's exposure to big names saying certain things um which is absolutely fine because again the vast majority of people who are saying these things are absolutely saying sound positive reinforcing things that are really really positive overall but i think again as i've moved a little bit deeper into it as my own the more that i've learned about how some things can be bad you know the kind of way i've also learned about how some of these bad things may actually have a place um it's just the context by which they are applied that make them bad you know, duration of exposure, you know, rationale for exposure, all these kind of things that are the preceding questions are probably what actually dictates something being valid or not, not necessarily the thing itself. Absolutely. You know, that kind of way. So that's kind of where I did. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That's definitely where I've had a slight shift in my mentality a little bit. And that's happened on kind of multiple fronts, not just in solvency control. Uh, but it's definitely an interesting one that I've had that I will take into my coaching practice. I'm not going to be as hesitant 
that ask when needed to potentially utilize something like that. Yeah, I think absolutes in the physique realm are probably the worst thing that we can advise on or even discuss, right? Because I think that it's easy to get caught in your own echo chamber. And I think that yeah, you sure. don't close this door, bro. One second. <laughs> You're good. I think if we I think if we don't start to expose ourselves to different thought processes that could possibly challenge our way of thinking. And maybe even ask those precursor questions of like, where is this actually applicable? Um, it starts to, if we, if we don't do that, it limits our scope. And as coaches, we need to be able to have as broad of a scope as possible because every person that we get is going to be challenged that scope in some way, shape or form. And it's going to allow us to be able to apply what I call like core concepts or core teachings across the entirety of our, our, our coaching realm. So I think that, you know, it's, it's good to experience those things that may have called into question what, what may need to happen, because it's interesting that you kind of mentioned that because last contest prep was the same thing for me. There were some things that came in that I would have before that contest prep probably been like, yeah, I don't think so. But it saw the benefits of that within certain, the certain situation that I was in. And it's kind of like changed the way that I go about coaching um, with a couple other people. Um, one of the things that I think, you know, people are, are really curious about when it comes to running your contest prep and, and what that looks like um, is the timeline at which you run the prep. Um, I know it's been a little crammed for you, but um, <laughs> if you want to run people kind of through what that timeline looked like and because um, yeah. I... I'm not really at a place to announce who this is, but I'm running a rapid fat loss phase with someone right now. And it's actually extremely productive, um, but it's not the ideal, obviously, and, and possibly some of the strategies you're using to kind of make that timeline happen um, and then yeah. start to kind of wrap it up just with some general takeaways. Sure, man. So I was originally planning on a slightly longer prep where the, the original kind of, I think, start and show was actually going to be Texas. That was going to be my original show. And um, that was numero uno because, again, the overarching goal of this prep for me was an experiential. Um, and I had a lot more time than we'd originally planned. So when me and Callum then had a conversation about when I was starting prep, I was actually in Chicago at the time. Um, I was picking up my dog. Anyone who's seen my Instagram has probably seen my dog. Um, he's amazing. So uh, one of the things I ended up doing then is starting prep while I was over there. And we started it, we had it relative to the timeline that was in front of us for kind of Texas. And then we kind of spoke about the British. And then Cal had a brainwave that, again, whoever's listening to this is absolutely fine. This was going to outline what I want to do. Cal, my Cal's goal is to win the novice British this year. That's what the goal is. That's what our goal is to win the novice British. So that meant that I had to do a regional. Um, so I was told, uh, <laughs> so 10 weeks out from the regional, I was sitting at about 110 kilos, 112 kilos, you know. Uh, so we had to kind of get get up and get going with things fairly quickly. So I actually have my timeline actually just up, just up here. Uh, so I actually started my prep on pretty much the last week of March leading into April um, at about 110. And since then, my body weights came down pretty much about 25 pounds very, very, fairly rapidly um, into the first week. So uh, it's been a pretty rapid shift. 
um, and the timeline has had to be kind of shifted and changed and manipulated in a way. Now, one thing that's probably cool to kind of note and point out is that I actually maintained a physiological range. Um, and now, again, full transparency, it was a modified physiological range of testosterone. Um, right up until kind of like three, four weeks in, that's kind of when things started to kind of work up and I would have been kind of eight, eight to ten weeks away from uh, physiological exposure at that stage which was an interesting kind of concept. So just based off the demand and the timeline and the shift in, you know, what we needed to do and how quickly we needed to do it, things needed to kind of get the ante up a little bit. Um, yeah. So I I had to kind of not so much do as much of a speed prep. My food came down pretty rapidly and it's not necessarily that my food was cut really very quickly or my output was cut very quick or um, up very quickly. It was more so the consistency of adjustment went up. Um, my adjustments were made rather quickly, very consistently. Um, and rather than having a really aggressive pullback and just kind of wait and see, there was more of a kind of make an adjustment, make an adjustment, make an adjustment kind of every four to five days. So I've been checking in the column every four or five days since we started. Um, and that has kind of been the, you know, the, the kind of crush to the immediate level of progression that I've made. And if I'm perfectly honest, when I left Chicago, I ended up having to spend a week in Dublin. So I would actually, to be, if I was really, really clear, I didn't really get into the thick of prep until I got back to Manchester about kind of six weeks ago. Um, so the vast majority of the work that I've done has been done in the last six weeks. Uh, so it's probably going to be a case that, you know, it's it's full pedal to the metal at this stage. You know, food's pretty low. Um, now, pretty low is relative, of course. There's no point in me laying out numbers, but based off my weight, based off my perspective timeline that was originally put in place, my food's pretty low. Um, you know, so it's probably going to be a case that, you know, we're going to get into, it's actually Kuba's show that I'm doing, so big up Kuba. Um, it's, I'm actually doing his show, the MK Classic, as my qualifier and my regional. And then kind of two to three weeks later, I'll be doing the British. So the game plan will probably be as close to 100% as we can for a regional. And then to be really coming in and delivering the best package as we possibly can for the British and hopefully taking home the novice overall, um, which would be something that I never, ever thought would come out of my mouth, if I'm perfectly honest with you. Um, I really, really didn't think I would ever say that and have any degree of confidence in saying it until I started to go through the process, pull five pounds off. I was like, ah, pull 10 pounds off. I was like, oh, and then I pulled 15 15 pounds off and I was like, it's actually tissue under here. And I just, I kept holding my body weight above 100 kilos and I kept getting leaner. at this point in time, I was convinced I'd be kind of like, you know, mid to low 90s. You know, I was like, okay, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of muscle here. The last time I was on stage, for anyone who doesn't know, I was 70 kilos. Um, you know, so like it's a, it's, a, it's a very different look to where I was then. Um, and I'm probably not too far off as lean as I was then, if I'm honest with you. Um, you know, because again, it was one of those preps. So, you know, I'm probably kind of like 60, 70 pounds up maybe, um, you know, from a tissue perspective, which is, a, which is, which is pretty good going. Um, so, you know, if anything, that's a, that's, a, that's a win for me. But, you know, that's the game plan. That's where we're going. And then I would love to go and do something when I get to Texas. I'd, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the, I don't know what the goal is there. I'll let you know as things come down. <laughs> but I, would, I, would love, I would love to go there and bag something. I really, really yeah. would. Um, and I think with the, the support network that we have and the experience that it's going to be, it would just be the ice on the cake. There's a lot of us going over. You know that. You know, we all know that. There's going to be a, going to be a real a massive experience for all of us. And then we're obviously doing the seminar a couple of days later, which is going to be sick. Um, so yeah. again, there's, there's, a, there's a whole journey ahead, you know, and it might be it might be difficult now, but it leads to what is almost, this almost like, yeah, this like Valhalla of experience, you know. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it, you know. So it's, it makes this whole aggressive approach if you want to call it that i would say moderately aggressive approach that i'm currently taking a hell of a lot more worth it because again what i'm working towards you know is not only kind of like a goal but it's also an experience and it's people and it's a circle and there's there's something in it that's it's bigger than me 
you know, that kind of way. This thing is so much bigger than me. And that's what's making this such an experience. It's just special one for me. Um, I'm honest with you. It's, it is bigger than me. You know, having you and your side of the world supporting me. I was in Callum, Oscar, Grace, all my boys in FLF, you know, the, the, my clients, you know, the pro coach team, Zach, Ryan, Al, you know, it, it's it's just, it's just, it's just really, really cool. And it's, uh, it's, it's shifted the tide in terms of how I'm thinking about what this is and what I expected it to be. It's really, really cool. Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of people are going to have questions about kind of the X's and O's of prep in general in your prep. Um, I think that, you know, that's kind of where, and, and shameless plug here, we're, we're going to be doing a, a contest prep slash peak week seminar on uh, August 14th. Um, and so you guys probably have already seen it on our social medias, but um really excited for that. That's going to be myself, Ross and Callum, and that's going to be um, a really, really in-depth, full day of just anything contest prep peak week related that you could consider. Um, I think it's one of those invaluable experiences to kind of see like, you know, what does mailing the look actually look like from start to beginning. Right. And what are the strategies that we can kind of flex across the different kind of clientele that we come across. And um, I think one of the things that people would love to hear is I know you're kind of documenting your prep as you go. So where people can kind of find that. Yeah, for sure. So again, like I said, social media wise on Instagram, there's less documentation going on. Uh, I tend to use my social media kind of, you know, sometimes for me, but predominantly for my clients and my dog. Uh, so, uh, but if you do want to kind of keep up with me and what I'm doing, um, Walk the Walk, which is my current YouTube series, that is actually coming back probably the end of this week. Uh, it's actually, this is, it's actually going to already be out by the time this comes out, actually. So there will be a YouTube, but there is a YouTube um, for my next kind of immediate prep video that's been put up filmed with the incredible magic guy media or jay davies who also won mr wells and um, so massive massive props to jay davies and they will be pretty frequent videos going forward as well we're going to be looking at kind of the video every kind of two to three weeks um and we're going to have you know footage of pretty much every show that i'm doing this year including texas which is going to be sick and obviously the seminar so there's going to be a lot of really really cool stuff going on over the course of the next few weeks and next few months especially and if you want to see that and you want to kind of get a look in and you kind of want to see what i'm up to and what the boys are up to then youtube is the place to do it just look up my name look up walk to walk and you'll find it perfect man well I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and give me some of your brain power within the the confines of contest prep. So um, I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to see what the final package is going to look like for you and um, see you kind of bring it to Texas because we're going to have a, have a good time that week as well. So um, anything for like a, a last thoughts, comments, concerns as far as like the topic that we went over today for people to take away before we log off? If you are a busy coach and you are asking yourself, could I prep? You can. It just takes more effort than you probably would have to do if you weren't as busy or if you weren't a busy physique coach. It can be done. You know, uh, work, work makes noble men of us all. So just turn to effort and turn to work and do what you need to do. Amen, man. So thank you so much for coming on. And guys, until next time, no off switch and shoot results. Peace.